Homeland, Chapter 13, The Price of Winning You deceived me, Drizzt said to Kelnos that night in the barracks. The room was black around them, and no other students stirred in their cots, exhausted from the day's fighting and from their endless duties serving the older students. Kelnos fully expected this encounter. He had guessed Drizzt's naivete early on, when Drizzt had actually queried him about the rules of engagement. An experienced drow warrior, particularly a noble, should have known better, should have understood that the only rule of his existence was the pursuit of victory. Now, Kelnos knew this foolish young Duarden would not strike at him for his earlier actions. Vengeance fueled by anger was not one of Drizzt's traits. "'Why?' Drizzt pressed finding no answer forthcoming from the smug commoner of House Kennefin. The volume of Drizzt's voice caused Kelnos to glance around nervously. They were supposed to be sleeping. If a master heard them arguing... "'What is the mystery?' Kelnos signaled back in the handcode, the warmth of his fingers glowing clearly to Drizzt's heat-sensing eyes. "'I acted as I had to act, though I now believe I should have held off a bit longer.' Perhaps, if you had defeated a few more, I might have finished higher than third in the class. If we had worked together as we had agreed, we might have won, or finished second at least, Driz signaled back, the sharp movements of his hands reflecting his anger. Most assuredly, second, Kelnos replied. I knew from the beginning that I would be no match for you, "'You are the finest swordsman I have ever seen.' "'Not by the master's standing,' Driz grumbled aloud. Eight is not so low,' Kelnos whispered back. "'Bergenyon is only ranked tenth, "'and he is from the ruling house of Menzoberanzen. "'You should be glad that your standing is not to be envied by your classmates.' A shuffle outside the room's door sent Kelnos back into the silent code. Holding a higher rank means only that I have more fighters eyeing my back as a convenient place to rest their daggers. Driz let the implications of Kelnos' statement slip by. He refused to consider such treachery in the academy. Bergenyon was the finest fighter I saw in the Grand Melee, he signaled. He had you beaten until I interceded on your behalf. Kelnos smiled the thought away. Let Bergignon serve as a cook in some lowly house for all I care, he whispered even more quietly than before, for the son of House Benray's bunk was only a few yards away. He is tenth, yet I, Kelnos of Kennefin, am third. I am eighth, said Drizzt in an uncharacteristic edge in his voice, more anger than jealousy. But I could defeat you with any weapon. Kelnos shrugged, a strangely blurring movement to onlookers seeing in the infrared spectrum. You did not, he signaled. I won our encounter. Encounter? Driz gasped. You deceived me, that is all. Who was left standing? Kelnos pointedly reminded him. Who wore the blue light of a master's wand? Honor demands that there be rules of engagement, growled Drizzt. There is a rule, Kelnos snapped back at him. You may do whatever you can to get away with. I won our encounter, Drizzt Duarden, 
and I hold the higher rank. That is all that matters. In the heat of the argument, their voices had grown too loud. The door to the room swung wide, and a master stepped onto the threshold, his form vividly outlined by the hallway's blue lights. Both students promptly rolled over and closed their eyes and their mouths. The finality of Kelnos's last statement rocked Driz to some prudent observations. He realized then that his friendship with Kelnos had come to an end, and, perhaps, that he and Kelnos had never been friends at all. "'You have seen him?' Alton asked, his fingers tapping anxiously on the small table in the highest chamber of his private quarters. Alton had set the younger students of Sorcerer to work repairing the blasted place, but the scorch marks on the stone walls remained, a legacy of Alton's fireball. "'I have,' replied Massage. "'I have heard of his skill with weapons.' Eighth in his class, after the grand melee,' said Alton. "'A fine achievement.' "'By all accounts, he has the prowess to be first, said Massage. "'One day he will claim that title.' I shall be careful around that one. He will never live to claim it, Alton promised. House de Arden puts great pride in this purple-haired youth, and thus I have decided upon Drizzt as my first target for revenge. His death will bring pain to the treacherous matron Malice. Massage saw a problem here, and decided to put it to rest once and for all. You will not harm him, he warned Alton. You will not even go near him. Alton's tone became no less grim. I have waited two decades, he began. You can wait a few more, Massage snapped back. I remind you that you accepted Matron Sinefe's invitation into House Hunet. Such an alliance requires obedience. Matron Sinefe, our matron mother, has placed upon my shoulders the task of handling Drizduarden, and I will execute her will. Alton rested back in his seat across the table, and put what was left of his acid-torn chin into a slender palm, carefully weighing the words of his secret partner. Matron Sinefei has plans that will bring you all the revenge you could possibly desire, Massage continued. I warn you now— Alton de Vere, he snarled, emphasizing the surname that was not Honette, that if you bring a war with Hauth de Arden, or even put them on the defensive with any act of violence unsanctioned by Matron Thinefei, you will incur the wrath of Hauth Honette. Matron Thinefei will expose you as a murderous impostor, and will exact every punishment allowable by the ruling council upon your pitiful bones. Alton had no way to refute the threat. He was a rogue, without family beyond the adopted Honets. If Sinefe turned against him, he would find no allies. What plan does Sinefe, matron Sinefe, have for House Duarden? he asked calmly. Tell me of my revenge, so that I may survive these torturous years of waiting. Massage knew that he had to act carefully at this point. His mother had not forbidden him to tell Alton of the future course of action, but 
If she had wanted the volatile de Vere to know, Massage realized, she would have told him herself. Let us just say that Half Duarden's power has grown and continues to grow to the point where it has become a very real threat to all the great houses, Massage purred, loving the intrigue of positioning before a war. Witness the fall of House de Vere, perfectly executed with no obvious trail. Many of Menza Baranzin's nobles would rest easier if... He let it go at that, deciding that he probably had said too much already. By the hot glimmer in Alton's eyes, Massage could tell that the lure had been strong enough to buy Alton's patience. The Academy held many disappointments for young Drizzt, particularly in that first year, when so many of the dark realities of Drow society, realities that Zack Nefane had barely hinted at, remained on the edges of Drizzt's cognizance with stubborn resilience. He weighed the Master's lectures of hatred and mistrust in both hands, one side holding the Master's views in the context of the lectures, the other bending those same words into the very different logic assumed by his old mentor. The truth seemed so ambiguous, so hard to define. Through all of his examinations, Drizzt found that he could not escape one pervading fact. In his entire young life, the only treachery he'd ever witnessed, and so often, was at the hands of drow elves. The physical training of the academy, hours on end of dueling exercises and stealth techniques, was more to Drizzt's liking. Here, with his weapons so readily in his hands, he freed himself of the disturbing questions of truth and perceived truth. Here, he excelled. If Drizzt had come into the academy with a higher level of training and expertise than that of his classmates, the gap grew only wider of the grueling months that passed. He learned to look beyond the accepted defense and attack routines put forth by the masters and create his own methods, innovations that almost always at least equaled, and usually outdid, the standard techniques. At first, Dinan listened with increasing pride as his peers exulted in his younger brother's fighting prowess. So glowing came the compliments that the eldest son of Matron Malice soon took on a nervous wariness. Dinan was elder boy of House to Arden, a title he had gained by eliminating Nalfane. Drizzt, showing the potential to become one of the finest swordsmen in all of Menzabaranzen, was now the second boy of the house, eyeing, perhaps, Dinan's title. Similarly, Drizzt's fellow students did not miss the growing brilliance of this fighter's dance. Often they viewed it too close for their liking. They looked upon Drizzt with seething jealousy, wondering if they could ever measure up against his whirling scimitars. Pragmatism was ever a strong trait in drow elves. These young students had spent the bulk of their years observing the elders of their families twisting every situation into a favorable light. Every one of them recognized the value of Drizduarden as an ally, and thus, when the Grand Melee came around the next year, Drizd was inundated with offers of partnership. The most surprising query came from Kelnos of House Kenefin, who had downed Drizd through deceit the previous year. Do we join again, this time to the very top of the class? The haughty young fighter asked as he moved beside Drizd down the tunnel to the prepared cavern. 
He moved around and stood before Drizzt easily as if they were the best of friends, his forearms resting across the hilts of his belted weapons and an overly friendly smile spread across his face. Driz could not even answer. He turned and walked away, pointedly keeping his eye over one shoulder as he left. "'Why are you so amazed?' Kelnose pressed, stepping quickly to keep up. Drizzt spun on him. "'How could I join again after one who deceived me?' he snarled. "'I have not forgotten your trick.' "'That is the point,' Kelnose argued. "'You are more wary this year. "'Certainly I would be a fool to attempt such a move again.' <sighs> "'How else can you win?' said Drizzt. "'You cannot defeat me in open battle.' "'His words were not a boast, "'just the fact that Kelnose accepted as readily as Drizzt. Second rank is highly honored,' Kelnose reasoned. Drizzt glared at him. He knew that Kelnose would not settle for anything less than ultimate victory. "'If we meet in the melee,' he said with cold finality, "'it will be as opponents.' He walked off again, and this time Kelnose did not follow. Luck bestowed a measure of justice upon Drizzt that day, for his first opponent and first victim in the grand melee was none other than his former partner. Drizzt found Kelnose in the same corridor they'd used as a defensible starting point the previous year, and took him down with his very first attack combination. Drizzt somehow managed to hold back on his winning thrust, though he truly wanted to jab the scimitar poles in Kelnose's ribs with all of his strength. Then Driz was off into the shadows, picking his way carefully until the numbers of surviving students began to dwindle. With his reputation, Drizzt had to be extra wary, for his classmates recognized a common advantage in eliminating one of his prowess early in the competition. Working alone, Drizzt had to fully scope out every battle before he engaged, to ensure that every opponent had no secret companions lurking nearby. This was Drizzt's arena, the place where he felt most comfortable, and he was up to the challenge. In two hours, only five competitors remained, and after another two hours of cat and mouse, it came down to only two, Drizzt and Bergenion ben Ray. Drizzt moved out into the open stretch of the cavern. "'Come out, student ben Ray," he called. "'Let us settle this challenge openly,' and with honor. Watching from the catwalk, Dinan shook his head in disbelief. He has relinquished all advantage, said Master Hatchnet, standing beside the elder boy of House Tewarden. As the better swordsman, he had Burgundyon worried and unsure of his moves. Now your brother stands out in the open, showing his position. Still a fool, Dinan muttered. Hatchnet spotted Bergenjon slipping behind a stalagmite mound a few yards behind Drizzt. "'It should be settled soon.' "'Are you afraid?' Drizzt yelled into the gloom. "'If you truly deserve the top rank, as you freely boast, then come out and face me openly. Prove your words, Bergenjon Benray, or never speak them again.' The expected rush of motion from behind sent Drizzt into a sidelong roll. "'Fighting is more than swordplay!' The son of House Benray cried as he came on, his eyes gleaming at the advantage he now seemed to hold. Bergenjon stumbled then, tripped up by a wire that Drizzt had set out, 
and fell flat on his face. Drizzt was on him in a flash, scimitar's pole tip at Bergenjon's throat. So I have learned, Drizzt replied grimly. Thus, Aduarden becomes the champion, Hotchnet observed, putting his blue light on the face of House Benray's defeated son. Hatchnet then stole Dinan's widening smile with a prudent reminder. Elder boys should beware second boys with such skills. While Driz took little pride in his victory that second year, he took great satisfaction in the continued growth of his fighting skills. He practiced every waking hour when he was not busy in the many serving duties of the young students. These duties were reduced as the years passed. The younger students were worked the hardest— and Drizzt found more and more time in private training. He reveled in the dance of his blades and the harmony of his movements. His scimitars became his only friends, the only things he dared to trust. He won the Grand Melee again the third year, and the year after that, despite the conspiracies of many others against him. To the masters, it became obvious that none in Drizzt's class would ever defeat him and the next year they placed him into the grand melee of students three years his senior. He won that too. The academy, above anything else in Men's Baranzen, was a structured place, and though Drizzt's advanced skill defied the structure in terms of battle prowess, his tenure as a student would not be lessened. As a fighter, he would spend ten years in the academy, not such a long time considering the thirty years of study a wizard endured in Sorcerer, or the fifty years a budding priestess would spend in Iraq to Nilith. While fighters began their training at the young age of twenty, wizards could not start until their twenty-fifth birthday, and clerics had to wait until the age of forty. The first four years in melee match there was devoted to singular combat, the handling of weapons. In this, the masters could teach Driz little that Zach Nefane had not already shown him. After that, though, the lessons would become more involved. The young draw warriors spent two full years learning group fighting tactics with other warriors, and the subsequent three years incorporated those tactics into warfare techniques beside and against wizards and clerics. The final year of the academy rounded out the fighter's education. The first six months were spent in sorcerer, learning the basics of magic use, and the last six, the prelude to graduation, saw the fighters in tutelage under the priestesses of Arak Tanilith. All the while, there remained the rhetoric, the hammering in of those precepts that the Spider Queen held so dear, those lies of hatred that held the drow in the state of controllable chaos. To Drizzt, the academy became a personal challenge, a private classroom within the impenetrable womb of those whirling scimitars. Inside the adamantine walls he formed with those blades, Drizzt found he could ignore the many injustices he observed all around him. He could somewhat insulate himself against words that would have poisoned his heart. The academy was a place of constant ambition and deceit, a breeding ground for the ravenous consuming hunger for power that marked the life of all the drow. Drizzt would survive it unscathed. He promised himself. As the years passed, though, as the battles began to take on an edge of brutal reality, Drizzt found himself caught up time and time again in the heated throes of situations he could not so easily brush away. <laughs>